0: It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. <laughs> Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening if it's in happening. sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host Ryan Hickey.
1: Good Monday morning, welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you right here, going on for unfortunately just a shorty show today, just one hour. I apologize for having it get cut short. This is a one time only thing, I promise. So we we will be back for the full two hour extravaganza on Thursday. But for just today, a wild Monday coming off a wild card weekend and uh, just be a one-hour show. But we promise, I promise at least, we will fit everything in between now and 10 a.m. Eastern. We have the Bills-Patriots fallout reaction. What was more uh, impressive in your mind? What was the bigger takeaway? Patriots defense getting shredded or Josh Allen looking unstoppable. We'll get into that in 20 minutes or so from now. We'll still do quick hits, bounce around the other uh, super wild card weekend games to kind of get you ready for tonight's final wild card game between the Cardinals and the Rams. So it's a jam-packed show here in just one hour. We'll keep it nice and tight for here on the Worldwide Sports Run, Eric. As a reminder, we're coming to you live, as we always do, from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners, make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. Let's start with the biggest game of the weekend. The one everyone is talking about, Cowboys and 49ers. My biggest takeaway from that game is this. Mike McCarthy should be fired this week, today, after what happened in that playoff game yesterday. And Mike McCarthy's firing, if you're Jerry Jones, isn't just because of one game. It's not a crazy decision. It is not a decision that you make rashly. It is a decision you make because it's not just one game. It's how the entire season played out for the Cowboys this season. And yesterday was just another piece to that disappointing puzzle. You look at the game yesterday. The Cowboys didn't lose because they had less talent. Because the 49ers were a better team with better players. The Cowboys had the more talented team. They had the better team. And yet, like they have all season long when they play good teams, they shrink. They fold. They beat themselves. And guess what? When you beat yourself, that goes back to the head coach. That is on head coaching. So for Mike McCarthy, who I think has been along for the ride all season long anyway, I don't think there's a way you can justify him remaining the head coach and continuing through for 2022. Change after that disappointing game After that, frankly, disappointing season needs to happen in the form of firing Mike McCarthy and getting someone in to Dallas that can elevate the roster, get the most out of the talent that is on this team, instead of, again, having another disappointing finish, having another season, another big playoff game where the whole doesn't equal the sum of the parts. And there's no better example... There's no better one play to point to as an encapsulation of the entire Cowboys season than the final play of the game. How their season ended, on a fitting note. There's nothing, nothing to blame the refs for yesterday. I don't want to hear Dak Prescott after the game saying the fans were in the right, you know, throwing garbage at the refs. I don't want to hear Mike McCarthy saying, you know, there, there, there should have been no issue spotting the ball. The final play of the game was all on the Cowboys and their lack of execution in a big moment, which has happened all season long. And again, starts with coaching. Because number one, the first person to blame on that last play is Dak Prescott. You got to give the ball to the ref. You cannot try to be spotting your own ball. You got to know the rules. And the Cowboys, in the big moment, had these small things perk up, and ruin their season. It is small details like that. Knowing who to get the ball to, getting set, knowing how much time you know is on the clock, and knowing how far you can run in order to still get a playoff is all important things teams should know and teams should practice before running a play like that. And speaking of practice, it's perfect. Because Mike McCarthy said after the game, they practice that play every single week. Well, let me ask you something, Mike. One or two things are, are true or let me tell you something I guess one or two things are true here. Either that's the case and the Cowboys are practicing that play with but they're practicing it wrong or he lied and they really don't do it too much and that's why the team was, you know, in confusion and in chaos at the end of the game and they weren't able to get into the playoff. Like if you're the Cowboys and if you're Mike McCarthy, you got to know number one first and foremost here, how much time you have left and how much, you know, how to execute that play. Like if he claims they practice that every week like they do. Well, they're practicing it wrong, and that's on the head coach. Again, as soon as Dak Prescott slides and goes down, what do you got to do? Find the ref. You can't get the play off. You can't get the snap off until the ref touches the ball. I mean, I know that. I'm not a football player. We just watch the games. Any fan knows, all right, the, the ref's got to you know, put the ball in play. You can't just be setting your own ball. That leads to chaos. So everyone knows, all right, The refs got to get involved here, and that should be the first person Dak Prescott looks for. Instead, the mechanics are messed up. They do not do that. It takes an extra few seconds. And next thing you know, those few precious seconds are the difference between getting one more playoff and your season ending. So either Mike McCarthy is right, and they practice this every single week, but they're practicing it poorly, which again goes back to showing if you're uh, Jerry Jones, you're really going to employ Mike McCarthy to continue to coach your team and coach them poorly. Or he lied, they don't practice it, and you had Mike McCarthy not having your team prepared. Which one is it? Either one is really bad. Either scenario is really a bad look on the head coach and a really a bad look for the Cowboys overall. Because again, it shouldn't be that surprising. It shouldn't be that hard at the end of the game to execute this to perfection. But speaking of execute, that's something the Cowboys couldn't have couldn't do all game long. And really, something the Cowboys didn't do at any point this season against a good opponent. When they play someone that is a, at a similar town level or greater, the Cowboys have shrunk, and the Cowboys have let these small things beat them all season long. Look, look at yesterday, Cowboys committed fourteen penalties. Fourteen penalties. A lot of them are pre snap. That's on focus or lack thereof. False starts, offsides defensive holding, how often do you see that? Not once, but twice, and both with the right call. I don't know what the hell the Cowboys are doing. It looks like they're playing their own game where the rules don't apply to them. All of those small things are about focus and attention to detail, both of which were lacking from Dallas in this game, and that's a reflection straight on the head coach. Not having them prepared to play. Not having them focusing on the small details. We're in the playoffs, we know. It's literally a game of inches. These smallest things always come back to bite you. You think that holding call on DeMarcus Lawrence late in the game had a small impact on the game? As the, as the 49ers are trying to rot the clock? You would have gave, eventually, the ball back to the offense with more time on the clock than what they had. It's those small things that continue to bubble to the surface for the Cowboys in the big moment that leads to their demise. Like the 14 penalties were a play or tied up laugh record. I mean, what are we doing? This is already again, the team with the most penalties in the NFL. So this is not a one-off. This is not just a a bad game where everything's gone bad all season long. The Cowboys have had a lack of discipline on both sides of the ball. They have not followed the rules and the, the penalties go back to coaching poor technique, poor focus, poor fundamentals. And again, Those areas, those issues bubble to the surface in the biggest games of the season. The playoffs, these teams, a lot of these teams that are playing in the NFL playoffs, the reason why they're so exciting is because the talent is is so evenly matched. There's rarely a a matchup, especially as we get deeper in the playoffs, where there's one team with dramatically more talent than the other. Usually, again, it comes down to these small details, the fundamentals. Who executes better? Who does the small things better? better in the big moment. And the Cowboys have never been one of those teams under Mike McCarthy. They're uh, undisciplined all season long. And it showed again in the biggest game of the season, those small details, when you don't execute them, when you don't pay attention to them, come back to bite you. So let me ask you this. If you're a Mike McCarthy backer, what is the justification for bringing him back? What is your pitch to bringing him back in 2022? He doesn't have his team ready to play. They are not focused. They don't do the small things correctly. They continually lose to teams that have equal or sometimes lesser talent than them. They continually shrink in the big moment. Where's the justification? If you're Jerry Jones, how can you talk to yourself who is someone, if you're Jerry Jones, desperate for one more Super Bowl? You know, to kind of put it bluntly, someone whose clock is ticking. He knows that. That's why he's so desperate. That's why he gets so emotional anytime he talks about the Cowboys and trying to win one more Super Bowl. He desperately wants one more for a kicks the can. Now, if you're Jerry Jones, you look at this roster. I thought Jerry said it perfectly after the game. When you have this combination of players together, you have to have success. You need to have success. He's 100% right. The Cowboys, again, are a very talented team that should De- continuing on the playoffs, and instead, the story continues. 11 straight playoff now appearances without a, even a conference championship game to show for it. And they rarely have been the less talented team. It goes back to the small details. So if you're Jerry Jones, and you look at Dak Prescott, who's locked in, not going anywhere. Look at Ezekiel a. Maybe you can move him, but again, running back, how much you're going to you know, bring in, that's going to be a big changer. You have Amari Cooper. You have CeeDee Lamb. Dalton Schultz, uh, excuse me, is a solid talent. The offensive line is all locked in. You have Micah Parsons, you have Trayvon Diggs. You have the pieces in place if you are Dallas to make a run at the Super Bowl. But yet again, this team has underachieved. The biggest move Jerry Jones can make in order to get this team from good to really good to great is by bringing in a head coach that can get the most out of this team. That can elevate this team from where they are right now, town-wise, to the next level. Mike McCarthy has done the opposite. He's been along for the ride this entire season. He has not elevated this team in one way. In any way. Again, they continue to play down and they play bad teams. They are undisciplined all season long most penalties in the NFL. They continually... Lack of, you know, the lack of detail, lack of focus comes back to Biden in the big moment. What has Mark McCarthy done in order to justify keeping his job in 2022? I got nothing. I have no answer because there is no answer. This should be the end of the line. Jerry Jones should see enough because this is the team that has Super Bowl uh, caliber talent that continually falls short of that and continually embarrass themselves in the postseason year after year. And you look at, too, this Cowboys team. It's not just the fact that they're penalized. It's not just the fact they're undisciplined and in the big moment they unravel. All season long, all throughout the regular season, this team was a fraudulent team. Their 12-5 record couldn't have been more misleading. Because this is a classic case of a good team beating up on the bad teams. But then any other time you play a team that is maybe a step below you or equal to your talent level, the Cowboys lose. They struggle. They can't win. This is a Cowboys team again, now with the loss 12 and 6 overall record for the 2021 season, including yesterday's game. They are just 6 and 6 in non NFC East games. They're 6 and 6 against anyone outside the division. That's not an elite team. That's not the mark of a Super Bowl caliber team. Again, the talent is there. The results are anything but. I look at look at what we saw yesterday. Number one, this Cowboys team all season long, number one in total offense, number one in scoring offense. This this offense is averaging 31 points per game. But just like they were for a majority of the second half of the season, yesterday they were underwhelming and couldn't be found for most of the game yet again. Even when you had the 49ers defense, miss uh Nick Bosa for the entire second half and most of the second quarter, you had Fred Warner out late. So two of the biggest impact players for the 49ers defense was out of the game, and they still couldn't get anything going. They still weren't able to punch in the end zone. The skill only scored 17 points. This is an offense, again, number one in total offense, had just seven yards in the first quarter. CeeDee Lamb drops all season long. More drops in this game. The ground game got nothing going. This game yesterday was very similar to how the Cowboys have looked the last two months. Outside of the Washington football team blowout on Sunday Night Football, outside of the Eagles blowout where they sat a lot of their starters, yesterday was who the uh, the Cowboys looked like the second half of the season all year long. This is a team with good talent that has continually failed to make the most of it. They have continually failed to come up big, in the big moment, to play their best football against the best teams on their schedule, to win a game against a better team than them. When it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to winning in the playoffs, it is about these small details. Handing the ball to the ref, not jumping off sides, not having stupid defensive holding penalties that cause your defense to continually kill clock and help the 49ers salt the game away. It's all those small details that comes back to one man, the head coach, Mike McCarthy has continually underperformed with this group all season long. The Cowboys have the talent. They legitimately have the talent to be Super Bowl contenders. And they threw that all away this season. They underperformed, never got it done in the big moment, and go home early yet again, which is what we've been accustomed to seeing from this Cowboys team for a while now. It's time for Jerry Jones to bring in a head coach that can get the most out of this roster. Not be along for the ride. Not hire great coordinators. Be the reason this team is winning games. Yesterday, Mike McCarthy was the reason the Cowboys lost this game. And that should be the last game he's coaching as a member of the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Love to hear them. Facebook, Worldwide Sportsman Network. Twitter, www, uh, SRN underscore Radio. At Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. It is it time for Mike McCau- uh, Mike McCarthy to get the axe? Should Jerry Jones here fire McCarthy? Bring someone else in, or does he deserve to come back in twenty twenty two? Cowboys lose. What are your thoughts? Facebook Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show, WWSRN underscore Radio as well. Will we return? Man, speaking of disappointing, speaking of getting worked that. Patriots defense on Saturday night got shredded by Josh Allen and the Bills offense. What was the biggest takeaway, or what was the most more telling I should say, for you in that game? Was it more telling the Patriots defense got shredded, or was it more telling for you that Josh Allen, big moment, had the best game of his career? We'll discuss the bigger takeaway, and we do return you listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: It is it, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Network. Shorty show today, just go until 10 a.m. Eastern. I apologize for that. We will have the full two hour extravaganza on Thursday. So I had to only go, unable to go, or only able to go one hour today. I do apologize for that, but we're going to squeeze everything. And don't you worry, to now and ten AM Eastern. So we just did hit on the Dallas Cowboys, and what was an utter choke job for me. It's time for Mike McCarthy to get the pink slip, and for Jerry Jones to bring someone in that can get the most out of this roster. I want to ask your thoughts. I want to get your thoughts here about Bills Patriots on Saturday night. What was more telling for you? What was a bigger takeaway? Was it the Patriots' defense getting absolutely shredded on Saturday night by Josh Allen and the Bills' offense, or was it Josh Allen playing the biggest game of his career in a huge moment now and kind of putting the rest of the league on notice that, man, if he continues to play like this, Bills might be headed to uh, L.A. in the Super Bowl and representing the AFC. For me, it's the Patriots' defense getting absolutely roasted because here's why. It was the latest example this season – of Bill Belichick being unable to do what he's done all season long, and on what he's been able to do throughout his entirety of his uh, coaching tenure, he failed on Saturday night to take away the opponent's best player. Right, he is known. He has made a career. He has won six Super Bowls in taking away and limiting what an opposing offense does well. Right, they always tell you if, if you're right-handed, Bill Belichick might, makes you play with your left hand. If you're a pass-first team, he takes away your best receiver. If you're a run-first team, he takes away your running back. He makes you beat his defense with your second and third options. That is always the game plan for Bill Belichick and this Patriots defense, and that is how they always have won games. They always have managed to take away what an opposing team does well, and he could not, absolutely not do that on Saturday night. Like, you look at this Bill's offense going into the game. I'll be honest, I picked the Patriots. I picked the Patriots because I thought the weather would give them an advantage. and make it tough to throw the ball when it's sub-zero. Josh Allen does not play well in the cold. Not to mention, Josh Allen has been the entirety of the Bills offense this season. There's no run game you can rely on. The defense at times is fraudulent. So it truly is a full, you know, all of the pressure, all of the success for Buffalo rides on Josh Allen. For me, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of your quarterback, especially in a big postseason game. We kind of saw with Justin Herbert last week with the Chargers. They put all of their success on his shoulders, and as you know, the Chargers fell short. That's why I thought the Patriots are going to win this game. Josh Allen is truly the only threat on this Bills team, especially in the Bills' offense. And Bill Belichick was unable to slow him down. And forget being unable to slow him down. And they were, the Patriots were historically bad on Saturday, and Josh Allen was historically good. Like, we talk about how unstoppable Allen was. Guy had five touchdown passes, four incompletions. He had more touchdown passes on Saturday night than incompletions. Just became the third quarterback ever in history to throw five or more touchdown passes on a Bill Belichick defense. And the Bills' offense, as a collective whole, became the first in NFL postseason history to score uh, seven touchdowns, have zero punts, zero turnovers. And they were, honestly, two minutes away, a few kneel downs away, if you take that out, from having literally a perfect offensive game. They scored a touchdown on every single drive they intended to score on. When was the last time we've ever seen that? So you look at what this Patriots team did or really didn't do. They, by far, played the absolute worst game you could ever play as a defense. Allowing a touchdown on every single drive outside of the kneel down is literally the worst you could ever do. You think about about, and look how efficient this Bells offense was. They faced only seven third downs the entire game. Seven third downs the entire game. And the last one, the seventh one, was the third down, the final kneel down of the game, the final play of the game. So when they were truly an offense, they faced only six third downs. Converted them all, by the way. So they were having a ton of success on first and second down that didn't even get them into third down a ton. The offensive line did a great job, kept Josh Allen upright, zero sacks, zero turnovers. It was a perfect game for the offense and an awful game for the Patriots defense. But for me, here's why it's telling. Here's why for me the bigger takeaway is the Patriots' uh, failure on defense than it is Josh Allen on offense. Because this isn't a one-off. What we saw on Saturday night in Orchard Park was not a I'll say one-hit wonder because usually that's a positive, but it wasn't a game where we rarely see now from the Patriots. This is who the Patriots have been since the bye week this season. You go back. The last good victory the Patriots have had was in Orchard Park, was that Monday night game where the wind was howling. It was 50-mile-an-hour winds. The Patriots threw the ball three times, and they won 14-10. to 10. Since that game and the weather conditions that helped him out, this Patriots defense has been exposed. They played the Colts. They lost that game to the Colts. What did the Colts do well? Jonathan Taylor running the ball, right? It's no secret. They need Jonathan Taylor to run the ball for the offense to have success. So again, Bill Belichick, what does he do? He supposedly, normally, takes your biggest threat away. The biggest throw was Jonathan Taylor. He ran for 170 yards and a touchdown, including that big 69-yard run that iced the game for the Colts and won them the game. Failed to contain uh, Jonathan Taylor. The next week, had a rematch of the Bills in Foxborough. Again, Josh Allen, the only guy in the Bills offense that you have to worry about. The run game is non-existent. The offensive line is okay, but it's not spectacular. And Josh Allen had a tremendous game. 314 passing yards. 64 rushing yards, three touchdowns, didn't punt once. The only two games, Bill Belichick and his his defense have failed to force a punt Saturday night against the Bills, this game against the Bills in New England a few weeks ago. The last two times they have played the Bills, the Bills have not punted one time. Think about that. That's insane. So now two games in a row, Bill Belichick has failed to even, forget contain or corral, just have a prayer get one stop on Josh Allen and this Bills offense. They lost to the Dolphins, where a team that in Miami that struggled to run the ball all season long as a team almost ran for 200 yards on the ground in the last game of the season. So you look at this Patriots defense now going forward into 2022. They have failed in the big moments this season, the last month of the year. They failed to get a stop. They've been getting gashed. And continually they have failed to stop what other teams do well. And for me, the reason why that's a big takeaway is because now you look at this team going forward, right? When we spin it forward, we look at the Patriots heading into 2022 and beyond. That doesn't bode well. Because again, this team was built through free agency, right? This team, after a awful, well, we'll say a down 2020 year for obvious reasons, they retooled through free agency. Bill Belichick took a, a different path for the first time in his career. A Patriots team that normally doesn't throw a lot of money around, they're known for cutting a player one year too early instead of one year too late. They, instead of being frugal in free agency, went buck wild. Signed almost any and every free agent they possibly could. They built their offense, they built their defense through free agency. The reason for why free agency and building your team through there is dangerous is because it's an extremely short-term fix. It's really not sustainable for the future. And this defense, sure, they got to the playoffs. You could say mission accomplished with a rookie uh, quarterback. But the concerning part for the Patriots going forward is they if they lost because of Mac Jones, fine. A rookie quarterback, you know, they don't really have much success in the NFL ever. No rookie quarterback has ever won the Super Bowl. So if you can, if you went into Buffalo and let's say they lost a, a tough game where Mac Jones may throws a pick or two, but he's the reason why they lose, fine. Rookie quarterback, you can get over that. You can expect his, his development going forward. And you can come back in 2022 with confidence. But when it's supposed to be the strength of your team, when it's supposed to be what your head coach does well throughout his entire career, that side of the ball is the reason why they're losing. That's not good. That's concerning now going forward because I don't see how it's going to get much better defensively. Like Matthew Judon had a career year in sacks for New England. Didn't see him on Saturday. I don't even know if he was on the field. I don't know if he even made the trip to Buffalo. That's how invisible he was and everyone else on the defense was. But you, when you build your team through free agency now, you kind of go all in on that year. And now going forward, when the defense is the reason why you fail. The defense is the main reason why you went from number one seed in the AFC after beating the Patriots, uh, after beating the Bills, excuse me, to now one and done in the playoffs as a wild card team. How is it getting that much better on the defensive end? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. For me, that's why that's a bigger takeaway and a bigger concern if you're a Patriots fan going forward. This is now nowhere near the Super Bowl-level team we have seen for two decades, and I think it's finally time to say to the Patriots fans and the Patriots team, welcome to the rest of the NFL. They had a two-decade run that maybe we will never see in sports again, right? Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, this team is always in the AFC title game at the bare minimum going to the Super Bowl, having, you know, record-setting Super Bowl appearances, record-setting Super Bowl victories. It was a hell of a two-decade run. But I think 2021 showed you the Patriots are officially back with the rest of the NFL. That fairy tale ride, that improbable run is over. And they are now finally dealing with issues that everyone else in the NFL is dealing with. Failing to show up in playoff games, underwhelming, you know, underwhelming defensive performance, playing sloppy football, getting your tails beat. Sure, we've seen Bill Belichick teams get blown out once in a blue moon, but never like this and never on this stage. They usually always come kind of to play and always you you know win games even we don't expect them to win, especially in the postseason. But now Bill Belichick and this offense, uh and this defense especially has failed to corral what teams do well. Has continually gotten burned. Was unable, by the way, after seeing what Josh Allen did successful the last time these two teams played. Unable to even, you know, slow him down even even more than that. It was just an awful defensive performance by the Patriots. and I do think it's telling now going forward. This team's in trouble. You can try to rely on Mac Jones but defensively is where this team has their identity, and I don't see it getting any better next season. It's not a Josh Allen problem the Patriots defense ran into. It's their problem. It's a talent problem. It's an execution problem. It's a scheme problem. Everything that could have went wrong did go wrong on Saturday night, and I don't know about you. It was great to see. It was great to see. I've never been more happy to have a pick go wrong than I was on Saturday night seeing Josh Allen and the Patriots uh and the Bills just deliver one to the Patriots. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Coming out of Saturday night's game, Bill's Pats, Bills Romp. What was the the bigger takeaway? What was more impressive for you? Was it Josh Allen's great play, his perfect game, essentially? Or was it more concerning for you just seeing how bad the Patriots defense was? And seeing how how much I struggled down the stretch here, that's the biggest takeaway. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook. WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. At Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. We'll get your thoughts when we do return here. Again, it's a shorty show, unfortunately, just an hour, so we're going to the top of the hour. But I do want to hit on the rest of the games we haven't hit on yet. Uh, Raiders, Bengals, Chiefs, Steelers, Bucks, Eagles. We got it all covered here in the next segment. Quick hits. We'll do that when we return. You listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the worldwide sports radio network
0: it is it, the worldwide sports radio network. Radio, network. radio network welcome back to the Ryan Hickey show right here on the worldwide sports radio network
1: And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey show right here. Where else? The Worldwide Sports Runner. Again, a, a shorty show here. I apologize. But this will be the last segment for this Monday edition. So I want to kind of hit on everything uh, else playoff wise you haven't got into yet. So do so in quick cuts. So let's go back to the first playoff game here Bengals Raiders. Bengals win their first playoff game in 31 years. I don't know about you. I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Cincinnati getting to the AFC title game. I'm a believer in the Bengals being the biggest and only threat to the Chiefs. I think mean, the Chiefs will beat the Bills on um, on Sunday night. We'll get into that game more on Thursday, but I'm a believer in the Bengals in part because from what we saw from Joe Burrow, right? The nickname for Joe Burrow is what? Always Joe Cool, and he showed that on Saturday, first playoff game. A lot of jitters again. We know the lack of success for the Bengals in the postseason. Thirty-one years. That a playoff win. That's a lot riding, a lot on the shoulders of a quarterback who wasn't even alive to see a Bengals win before in the postseason. And instead, he goes out there against the Raiders 24-34, 244 yards, two touchdowns. They to score in every possession they had in the first half. I know you know, in the second half they, they struggled a little bit, but Joe Burrow made the plays he had to make, got the Bengals rolling here on offense, and again, for me, puts the Bengals – as the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. I love their matchup this weekend going against the Titans in Tennessee. I think it's again they win. And I think they make the AFC title game. Um, so, Cincinnati, congrats to you. Big time win going forward here. I think the the fun and the magic carpet ride, if you will, will continue on this postseason. On the flip side, though, two things I want to say about the Raiders. Number one, 100% you bring Rick, uh, Rich Passacci back. To me, his leadership he has shown all throughout the season. In just getting the Raiders to the playoffs. And then, even in the playoff game itself, you know, this game, it felt like it was gonna be a blowout early on. That first half was dominated by Cincinnati. Again, Joe Burrow had a tremendous first half. They get bad bricks going their way, like Joe Burrow throwing the ball where the referee thinks he steps out of bounds, blows the whistle before the, the catch is made. It should have been a redo, but a touchdown should not have counted. You, we gotta go by the letter of the law here. The referee's messed up. You gotta own the mistake and redo the play. They failed. The Raiders got screwed to that call. Um, but with that said, again, I think Rich Passaccia keeping his team afloat. And even in a game down where they were down early, after that screwed, you know, they got screwed by the touchdown pass, they go down, they score a touchdown right before halftime, they, they, they keep in the game. And as we know, they're able to drive down and, well, come up, you know, a few, uh, few yards short of the end zone um, and their loss. Rich Passaccia, for me, has done everything you could ask for for an interim head coach, leadership-wise, yeah, again, the most of his players were, I think he deserves to come back in 2022. That will be a decision, obviously, we'll see uh, uh, Mark Davis make in the future. I think that's what it should be. Bring Rich Passaccia back. Now, I will say, the one criticism I have of the Raiders, and uh, this, to me, made no sense, and I promise you it was a first guess. I tweeted it out on purpose as soon as the play happened, so that way I couldn't get accused of second guessing. The Raiders, as they're driving the on the final drive of the game, they get down inside the 10-yard line, first and goal. The spike on first and goal made absolutely no sense. That was awful clock management. I don't know whether it came from Rich Passaccia. I don't know whether it came from Greg Olson, the outfits coordinator, or whether it was Derek Carr on his own. Whoever made the decision to spike the ball was an awful decision. Because here's why. In that moment, in that scenario, the downs for the Raiders matter more than the time on the clock. Like, if you look at it, if we break down the mechanics, the Raiders on first and goal spiked the ball right there. They caught the ball inbounds. The clock is running. Their car spiked the ball. There was 30 seconds left until that happened. If you take an extra 10 seconds to get to the line, call a play, and drop a play that's meant to get in the end zone, instead of spiking the ball, it takes an extra 10 seconds, that's worth it. Because guess what? When and when it's first and goal, when you only have four plays to score touchdowns, no other first down you can get. There's you know you only need a touchdown, so there, this is it. This is four plays on your season line. You want as many cracks in the end zone as you can get. I did not getting, I did not get a, a spike on first down, wasting it down and preserving clock that you still had enough time for. Thirty seconds with four plays from was it the eight yard line and then is plenty of time to call a play and get it set on first down. So like, let's just play it out. If you take an extra 10 seconds to get everyone set, you call play, and you run the play, you have 20 seconds left for three downs. 20 seconds left for three plays where, again, it's all eight yards and, le- uh, and in is plenty of time. Here's why. Let me show you this. The final three plays, right, after the spike on first down, second down, third down, and fourth down combined took 13 seconds. They spiked the ball in first and goal at 30 seconds, after the fourth down interception by Terry Carr, where the Raiders took over, there was 17 seconds left on the game clock. 13 seconds for three plays. So you had more than enough time to get everyone to the line, calm it down, run a play, and take a shot in the end zone a first down. In that scenario, spiking in first and goal, to me, made no sense because you had time. Time, Even though the clock is running, and 30 seconds does not seem like a lot of time. When it's first and goal, you have plenty of time. And again, if I'm the offense coordinator, if I'm the quarterback, I want four chances to score a touchdown instead of three. The downs to me were more important than the time on the clock, and that's why for me that the biggest gaffe the Raiders made all game long was the spike on first down. As we saw, they could have used an extra down, right? They, it would have been nice if the Raiders had one more shot at the end zone instead of making it three times, they should have done four. That to me was the, a big mistake late in the game. Spike on first down made absolutely nose heads again. Downs matter more than uh, downs in that case. Sorry matter more than the clock itself how about the bills and we just talked about their offense before Josh Allen I will say this about Josh Allen if he plays like he did on Saturday night it's kind of obvious there's no team in the AFC that's stopping him I still think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl of the AFC I just heard me before say I think the Bengals are the bigger threat to the Chiefs I think those are both true if Josh Allen plays like he did on Saturday night against the Chiefs this weekend and against either the Titans or the Bengals the weekend after, there's no team that's beating the Bills. Five touchdown passes, four incompletions. He absolutely did nothing wrong. He was perfect. No turnovers, no sacks. Didn't really put the ball in harm's way at all. Finding the open guys, running when he had the lanes. He played basically as perfect of a game as you could have asked for. And if he plays as perfect of a game as he did on Saturday night against the Chiefs, and in the AFC title game, no one is beating the Bills. Here's the thing, though. I don't think that that game is really realistically replicable. Like, I don't think he's going to go into Arrowhead Stadium and throw, you know, more touchdown passes than incompletions again. I just don't think it's likely. We've, You know, Josh Allen, all season long, we've seen him. I'll say take a step back from 2020, Josh Allen, where he was an MVP and he was playing great. Now, full disclosure, some of that is not his fault. We detailed the lack of a run game. There's no balance. It's a one-dimensional offense, and it's all on Josh Allen. And even the run game, the biggest threat in the run game, for the most part, is on Josh Allen's legs. So it's all on him. That's a lot to ask for and a lot to bank on success from your franchise quarterback. Even though he's a really good quarterback in Josh Allen, it's a lot to ask for him to be the total hero when your offense can't do anything else outside of him. So when he's playing like he did on Saturday night, again, He's unstoppable. The thing for me, though, is that I don't see this game happening again for Josh Allen. I don't. I think the Chiefs defense will absolutely put up a a bigger fight than the Patriots defense did. And I just don't see Josh Allen, for someone who's not really been efficient in his career, played a perfect game, playing that game. Let's also not forget... This is a guy coming into the playoffs, threw three picks against the Falcons in Week 17. I guess the Jets struggled for three quarters. Like, we're talking about a Jets defense they put up a bigger fight and uh, and shut down Josh Allen more than the Patriots defense did. Like, I don't think it's an accident. He has struggled late in the season and played the absolute perfect game. I just don't think it's going to happen in Arrowhead, and I don't think it's going to happen if they get past that game in the AC title game. Josh Allen was perfect. I think he's going to have to be perfect for the Bills to beat the Chiefs on Sunday. I don't see it happening, but hey, taking nothing away, he had one of the best games, no joke and no hyperbole in NFL history. He had one of the best games of his career, and it's one of the biggest performances in a playoffs we will ever see from the Bills and from Josh Allen, especially. So, congrats to Buffalo, an incredible win, and I'm sure that had to feel so good, so cathartic to just curb-stomp a team that has broke your hearts year after year after year. How about the Buccaneers? Buccaneers take care of business. This is, you know, prediction-wise, the picks have not gone very well this year. But will say, this is one of the things, not to brag, one of the things we got right. We have predicted this game to go exactly how it went. Tampa Bay's run defense shutting down Philly's rush offense. Right? It, it was strength on strength. One of the best run-stopping run defenses in the NFL against the best rushing team in the NFL. Tampa's defense won out. They forced Jalen Hurts to throw the ball. And what do we say? If Jalen Hurts has to throw the ball and lead this team with his arm, the Eagles are not going to win this game. That's exactly what happened. The run game was shut down. Jalen Hurts ended up being the leading rusher, which is 39 yards. Boston Scott was the second leading rusher. He had one run for 34 yards. That shows you where the run offense was for Philly non-existent. And if forcing Jalen Hurts to throw, that's how you win games. He threw 43 times, which is way too much, which is now, if you're Nick Ciarani, not how you're game planning that offense to go. Just 23 of 43, so very inefficient. 250 yards, two picks. That's who Jalen Hurts is. Now, with that said, with that said, I don't think Jalen Hurts, long time and full time, will be able to to lead a team with his arm. I think what we saw in 2021 is going to have to be how Jalen Hurts has success in the NFL. Run, 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 run. Read options. Spread offense. Don't throw the ball a ton. With that being said, I think he absolutely should be the Eagles starting quarterback in 2022. I think he's earned that. He's not a franchise guy, but he has earned one more year to show what he can do in a Nick uh, Nick Sirianni offense in year two and at least show if he has the opportunity and the possibility to lead a team with his arm. I think he can't, but I think he deserves one more opportunity to show if he truly can or not. Because if you're the Eagles, I'm not 100% sold that he's going to be their starting quarterback. The reason why we're even talking about this, if he should or not, is because I think there's a real chance they're going to go out and make a move. The Eagles have three first-round picks. Howie Roseman, as we know, the GM of the Eagles, is anything but patient when it comes to quarterbacks. He loves, he's one of those guys, the more the merrier. I mean, we saw it in Philly. There was a whole Carson Wentz-Nick Foles debate. When Nick Foles was out and fine, okay, it seems Carson Wentz got his team back. They draft, shockingly, Jalen Hurts in round two. They're supposed to be the quarterback factor. Well, that draft pick helped drive Carson Wentz out of town. That maybe was the right move? You know, we'll see. You know, it's not like Carson Wentz let it up in Indy. This year for sure. But also, I don't think Jalen Hurts is shown to be your franchise guy. So, I don't know if there's a move to be uh, for Deshaun Watson, if Russell Wilson. I do think the Eagles are going to try to make some moves. If you can get one of those guys, go for it, obviously. Deshaun Watson's a major upgrade over, over Jalen Hurts, and so is Deshaun, uh, So is, uh, Russell Wilson. So, if you can get one of those guys, absolutely pull the trigger. I'm skeptical. Either we want to go to Philly. And that's the case. Do not trade up. Do not draft a quarterback. Have Jalen Hurts be your guy going forward. He has earned that. And I think that's the best option for Philly in the short term in 2022. Long term, you have to find a quarterback. Short term in 2022, Jalen Hurts is the best fit for this offense. Again, outside of Deshaun Watson and outside of Russell Wilson, both are pipe dreams, I think. And that's why I think Jalen Hurts should be the guy in 2022. And finally, the Chiefs show you they are just unstoppable. There is no team in the NFL that is better at going from 0 to 100 than the Kansas City Chiefs. And this was a game yesterday. They were scoreless until five minutes and fifty seconds left in the first half. Right? They had a they allowed a defensive touchdown to TJ Watt. They were continuing to go in three and out. They couldn't get anything going on offense. Patrick Holmes looked lost. The receivers weren't really doing too much. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it's like they need to see I saw this on Twitter though there's an accurate statement. It's like the Chiefs almost need to see their own blood before kind of waking up and getting in the fire. We have seen this team in the playoffs continually get down, play sluggish out of the gate, and then when it's like they're losing, oh, boys, okay, it's go time, let's go. That's exactly what happened yesterday. Again, five minutes, 50 seconds left in the first half before they scored their first touchdown. They get two more touchdowns before the half's over, and they score 42 points. Now, you look at Patrick Holmes' stat line, 30-39, to 39, 402 passing yards, five touchdowns. You would have thought this guy came out of the gate, firing, and from there it was just all over. But basically, he had one half of football. That's where all those stats came from. He really didn't get going until, like you said, late in that se- late in that first half, and no team goes from 0 to 100, better than the Chiefs. It was 7-0 Steelers' momentum to 21-7 at halftime in just literally six minutes of game time. And this game is a blowout. This game is over the first into in the second half. No team is better going from 0 to 100 better than the Kansas City Chiefs. Congrats to them on a big win and advancing now. It's setting up one of the best matchups of the playoffs we're going to see in Chiefs-Bills on Sunday night. So like I said, this is a a shorty show here. I apologize. This is the only show I promise you we will have just an hour. We'll be back for two hours on Thursday. So I apologize for the shortened show, but this is it. We are ending the show, at least right now, um, on only this Monday. A happy Martin Luther King Day. A happy holiday if you're off. We appreciate you starting your Monday morning with us right here on the Worldwide Sports Network. We will be back on Thursday. Again, the full two-hour show. Back on Thursday. But for now, we will sign off uh, on this Monday. Stay safe. Stay sane. And we'll talk to you on Thursday right here on the Worldwide Sports Network.
0: It it, is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.